0: an entrepreneurial genius he is chairman and CEO and founder of amazon.com it is the world's largest retailer on the internet I am pleased to have him here how would you then characterize what the business of amazon.com is today what
1: we are first of all we want to be earth's most customer centric company so we think of ourselves as a customer company we want our brand to be known for this abstract notion of starting with the customer and working backwards I think those abstract brands provide more flexibility and robustness than more con- than brands that are associated with concrete things like product categories. The com- I want to bring to Amazon.com of the world of the web. Of of the the web. web. What that means is that we want to personalize. The- so there are all these things that you can only do online, yeah. like personalize. We have 20 million customers today. We want to have 20 million different stores, each store customized for that individual customer. And that's something you can't even begin to How many to stores? Think 20 million stores. If we have 20 million customers... You
0: own 20 million, the, million stores?
1: The Charlie Rose oh, one, two, one. store should not be the same as the Jeff Bezos store, because we undoubtedly have some different
0: interests. And different products to sell.
1: And different... You'll be interested in different things than I
0: will. Yeah. How do you stay in touch with that kind of experimentation and that kind of uh, energy? Hire smart people. And how do you go about that?
1: If you don't hire, because you know, a single individual cannot keep in touch with the plethora of, you know, yeah. of, of new things happening. So what you have to do is you have to put in place a recruiting process that attracts and retains smart, talented, hardworking people who want to be a part of, of your
0: mission, whatever it is. Then, but then when you talk to them, when they bring out the CEO to talk to these people, what's the mission statement you tell them? First it's earth's most
1: customer centric company and we have a very and I explain what we mean by that because we have a very precise definition for customer centric it means listen invent and personalize so first you have to listen to customers companies that don't listen to customers fail second you have to invent for customers because companies that only listen to customers fail it's not the customer's job to invent for themselves it's our job at Amazon.com to invent things like OneClick and other things, like uh, like sales rank going from 1 to 18 million. Those kinds of things that customers really like, that's our job, not theirs, to think of that. And third is personalize. Take every individual customer and put them at the center of their own universe. And then, when we talk about Earth's most customer-centric company, we mean that in a very broad way. This is bigger than Amazon.com. What we want to do is sort of uplift the worldwide standards for customer service and customer centricity. So this is sort of like Sony. Sony, sort of born right after World War II, is a company that set out, if you go and look at their early mission statement, it was not to be known for quality. It was to make Japan known for quality, not Sony, Japan. And that's sort of what we want to do. We want to do something bigger than Amazon.com. To make what, would define it for me? that, the, that, that we set a new example for customer service and customer centricity that other companies look at, admire, and want to emulate. And that is a mission that
0: people can get excited about. I've talked to a lot of people who have created great companies. Most of them believe, in, at least in conversation with me, that if they had to start over, they could do it again. My question to you, if you had to start over... What would you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, so first of all, I believe that as
1: hard as we have worked at Amazon.com, and I'm talking about all 7,000 of us, we have also been incredibly lucky. So I believe that because all... Because of timing or because Timing of- is the main thing. There are lots of things that we, we... Even decisions we made that were the wrong decision that somehow miraculously worked out anyway. Yeah. So there are... I believe that all startup companies require huge amounts of luck. So certainly, if you don't work hard and if you don't have a good plan, no amount of luck will save you. Yeah. But there are lots of companies that work hard, lots of companies with smart folks, and lots of them don't succeed. When did this dream start for you? So when I... so I don't really remember the exact day or anything, but when I was in college is when I started thinking about wanting to be uh, an entrepreneur someday. So it was... I was not the kid with the lemonade stand you know i didn't i wasn't one of these kids who was always trying to raise money i always wanted to be a scientist when i was little Uh, but i'd also always loved computers i like i was lucky because at my age this is unusual to have uh, access to a mainframe computer from my elementary school so i don't know how formative that was it certainly led it certainly helped my star trek knowledge considerably (laughs) and and but i've always loved computers somewhere in college i started watching some of the people who were like setting up you know college pizza delivery services and you know the kind of the core entrepreneurs
0: and thinking you know this looks like a really fun thing to do they then come back to you and say when will this be a profitable company when will I see in your annual report bottom line profitability so
1: we will tell them
0: thanks for asking
1: (laughs) But We're not going to share that information because
0: what we're doing is more important to us in the long-range health of this company
1: No, that's not so just to be clear. No one cares more about Profitability than amazon.com and we're actually putting more focus on it today internally than we did a year ago Why the reason is that our the scale of our business is such so now You know we have annualized revenues of about two and a half billion dollars a year. Let me give you it, it, that means that if you can make a 1% improvement in efficiency, right. and believe me, we have these little 1% improvements laying all over the place yeah. to be picked up. It's, a, it's an opportunity. And if you make a 1% improvement, that's $25 million to the bottom line. If you uh, had a company with you know a, a, a few thousand dollars in annual revenue or a million dollars or $10 million yeah. to spend any time at all on trying to get that 1% improvement in efficiency would be crazy. You should be spending that time trying to get more revenue so that you have more operating leverage so that then when you do the operating efficiency improvements. So the simple answer to your question is, so that you get more leverage, the simple answer is we just have such a big company now in terms of revenues that it
0: would be uh, irresponsible not to focus on efficiency. What do you say to them? If they say, if, give us some free advice, Jeff. You're coming down road, and, and we know how fast you're going. So and we the know physical stores? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is it's, we're talking
1: about 15%, not 100%. Yeah. So I think even over 10-plus years. The second thing I would say is figure out what your strengths are and emphasize those. One of the things I do think you, you see is companies that are great in the physical world spending too much time energy and attention online and i think you know they should have a certain amount of skepticism when i say this because of course i'd like them not to do that but i really do believe it's the truth (laughs) right i I really do believe that (laughs) that they could that you know that if you have let's say you have two big competitors in the physical world and one of them decides to go whole hog for the internet and the other one says you know what we're gonna do is we're gonna just try to get a bigger Piece of that eighty-five percent, and really yeah. focus on our physical world business while our competitor is distracted. I actually think that would be a very good strategy, yeah. and it's what I might do if I were in their
0: position. Are you serious? Yeah. So you'd say to Barnes and Noble and Borders, and all, forget this online stuff and just take care of your own business. Well, I might. Oh, I would certainly say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, I, just, but do I actually do do believe
1: that the skill sets are so different. You know, that, I've always. Oh, but that's said, a different
0: reason they can't acquire the skills
1: they can acquire them but slowly and meanwhile if they had see what right now they're not getting hurt very much because I think all of the the you know if you take a segment like books you know I think borders and Barnes and Noble are equally distracted with online but I'd say if one of them had decided to just focus on their physical business while the other one was distracted with online that could have been a a tactical advantage so you're saying
0: Barnes and Noble for example probably by so focusing and looking what to do to your challenge and getting online, probably lost some... I do think that's true. Something.
1: And I think that, I think that, and I've always said too, that it would, in my opinion, it yeah. would have been easier for Barnes & Noble. And by the way, I picked them because they're a great exactly. physical world retailer.
0: Yeah. And they know a lot about and how to sell books. They do a in-
1: fantastic job. Probably one of the best physical world retailers. You compare them to the electronics guys
0: right. who I love to compete <laughs> with because yes. I think they're
1: terrible. Yeah, exactly. But the but Barnes and Noble's always done a great job, but I think it would have been easier for them to open a new chain of hardware stores, than it was <laughs> a one, yeah. to sell they go, books. They could have found a better
0: place to spend their because time. Because the two and money.
1: businesses are actually so similar, you know, ha- selling hardware uh, in the physical world yeah. is very similar in many ways. They could have done that, but this is hard.
0: It won't be going. Or new financing in two thousand and one. We don't.
1: We don't need to. We've always said that we reserve the right to, in the case of you know, that we may want to increase the strength of the balance sheet or yeah. for strategic reasons.
0: What you know, we always reserve our flexibility. But we've said we don't need. To. So we're not going to be running out of money right. anytime soon. Oh. All right. The other question that comes up is in terms of this profitability thing uh, that everybody inevitably, if you talk to you, you have to ask. It is you have already pinpointed the last quarter of the year two thousand one mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. that is a with that is or is not uh... taking up you know and counting the uh... interest that you have to pay on the money you borrowed. not counting the interest so this is a first step for us
1: what we are, uh, what we've set as a goal is a pro forma operating profit this q4 and so the operating versus net so a net profit would include the interest expense right. an operating profit does not so you
0: have an operating profit at the end of at the end of this year? That's what we're going for. It's a goal, or are you pretty sure about this?
1: Well, we resisted for five years answering that question. (laughs) Uh, So we have a high degree of confidence, but at the same time, whenever I say that, I always tell people that there are no guarantees. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of work to be done between now and then, but we're on track. What startup companies do is they take their precious early capital dollars and systematically eliminate risks. That's what they do, the successful ones. Hmm. Now, what we worry about now is that we don't do our job. And I'll tell you, one of the things in this period um, that I kind of like is that it's a lot easier in the year 2001 for Amazon.com as a company to be humble, working our butts off, than it was in 1999 when the world believed we couldn't lose. We're a company you know, it's kind of handy to be an underdog. It's also very important when planning a business like this, I think, to sort of look at what is the brand promise that you're going to make to customers. And the brand promise that you make has to actually coincide and very, very closely with the things that you can deliver. Uh, <laughs> kind of an important uh, but sometimes overlooked uh, component, I think. And, and, uh, and in our case, that led to the name of, of Amazon.com. It's a... Uh, uh, it's basically Earth's biggest river, Earth's biggest bookstore. And we wanted to use this large selection to be able to build an authoritative store. Uh, Authoritative uh, means a few things. Authoritative selection, authoritative prices, and authoritative information about books so that you can make a purchase decision. And the Internet allowed us to do all those things. We could have more selection. We could also have lower prices because we don't have to have retail real estate in high traffic areas that's very expensive. Inventorying books in those spaces is very expensive. We get to inventory our books in very low-cost warehouse space. It's also possible to have more information online about products than you could ever have in a physical shopping environment, so you can really build an authoritative store. So we opened the store in July of 1995, uh, almost three years ago now after doing about a year of software development. And the store has grown uh, very rapidly. Um, uh, at this point, we are, our sales are about the equivalent of 50 of those big uh, uh, chain superstores. And the interesting thing is that we opened the equivalent of 12 of those superstores in just the last three months. So things are growing fast. We ship books regularly to over 160 different countries, and our first 30 days of being open, we ship books to more than 45 countries in all 50 states. Um, There are some interesting stories about the uh, international. So, for example, we ship four orders a day at least to Bulgaria every day. I I believe that uh, the primary success factor for Amazon.com has been an obsession over the customer and a focus on customer service. This is clearly important in any business, but especially important online. And the reason for this is that word of mouth is incredibly powerful online. Uh, If you make a customer unhappy on the Internet, they won't tell five friends. They will tell 5,000 friends. Likewise of course, if you can make a customer happy by meeting or exceeding their expectations, they can also tell 5,000 people and therefore, you know, be evangelists for you. They can use the Internet as a megaphone. So it's very important to do the things that you actually are going to claim to do. And uh, what this means, basically, is the balance of power has shifted away from the merchant and toward the consumer, which is a great thing, I think, for everybody involved, and it's even great for the merchant, as long as the merchant realizes it. One of the t- statistics that we track most carefully at Amazon.com because we believe that this is so important is our the fraction of orders we receive every, receive every day that are from repeat customers, and that number has consistently gone up, and it's now over fifty eight percent of our orders that we receive every day, even in the context of a very rapid new customer growth. One of the great things too online is that the customers help you figure out what you're doing wrong and how to do things better. Email is this great medium for receiving feedback because somehow email turns off that little piece of everyone's brain that causes them to mostly be polite. So what happens is, you know, if you go into a restaurant and uh, have a bad meal, very rarely you're trying to have a good time. I never go into the kitchen, grab the chef by the scruff of the neck and say, you know, you really shouldn't be cooking. But online with email, that will happen in a heartbeat. And. uh, And and we've benefited greatly from that and have, uh, I believe, in the the three years that we've actually been doing business, I suspect we've received more feedback, both positive and negative, people helping us improve our service than probably most business establishments have received in the last 20 years. But but we do work very hard, and we'll never make Amazon.com fun and engaging in the same ways that great physical bookstores are, you'll never be able to hear the bindings creak and smell the books and have tasty lattes and soft sofas at amazon.com, but we can do completely different things that will blow people away and make the experience an engaging and fun one. And I'll talk about some of the stuff that we can do in the future a little later. There are dozens of off-the-shelf systems you can buy to handle inbound phone calls into a call center and so on. We get thousands of email messages from our customers every day. And there aren't any great off-the-shelf inbound email center software packages yet. There will be. Uh, So we've had to write our own. In fact, about 85% of all of our software development to date has actually gone into the back-end systems that are completely invisible to customers, the logistics systems that handle 2.5 million different items in six different availability categories. Early on, we looked at could we buy a, a software package that would do the logistics for us, the problem is that if you look at the available packages that are built for mail-order companies, they typically have just two availability categories, in-stock and back-ordered. We actually have six because we have books that are shipped within 24 hours, two to three days, one to two weeks, four to six weeks, not yet published, shipped when available, and uh, one more, out of print, shipped within one to three months if we can find it at all. Um, so uh, some of this stuff just has to be done, done the hard.